Hi guys, what is up? My name is Dylan. Welcome back to the Popcorn Podcast. This is episode number 16. We are going to be talking about the new Ridley Scott epic that seems to be on every film bro's mind, I want to say. Napoleon. Let's just go straight in there, guys. The film, like I just said, is directed by Ridley Scott, Sir Ridley Scott, um, to say his full title. Uh, what is everyone's opinions and thoughts on Sir Ridley Scott? Actually, you made a mistake. wait, I made a mistake. You made a, mis <laughs> you made a mistake. <laughs> you know what? It's like you're, you've always been in the room and now you're on the couch. <laughs> Joe, take it away. Tell everyone who you are. Uh, okay. Um, I'm Joe. I have been on every episode of the Popcorn Podcast. But, but you, you just, just haven't seen his You just face. haven't seen me. Yes. I've, I've, been, I've been a ghost in the room, so I've been behind the camera the whole time. He's yeah. the guy who makes all this possible. Yeah. Mm, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I was going to reset it. These, I don't know. These, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I... Feel ve he feels very passionately about this film. So much so that he has to ask. <laughs> I had to cut. I would. I wouldn't be quiet though behind the camera because of it. I. I. I'm sometimes I'm like it's behind the camera. I'm there like I want to get involved and I, I'll occasionally shout something, but that's it. But now I was like oh, I can't hold back. So I guess I make films. I film producer. Oh yes, you. Do. Oh yes, he does. <laughs> he does. He does. Um, Joe. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put you in the spotlight here. Oh Joe yes, is, he's talented. And Joe. He's Joe is a. BFI, London Film Festival short winner. He winner. Wins, he wins things. And that's okay. your intro, Joe. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Now, back to the real conversation. No, just, <laughs> uh, what does everyone think about Ridley Scott? Panwa, I know you're a big fan of Ridley ah, Scott. Yes. So uh, why don't you actually kick this one off? Basically, last time when we were talking about the GOAT debate, um, I gave my ranking for the top four, which was uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, Stanley Kubrick, Akira Kurosawa, and Martin uh, Scorsese. At number five, I would put Francis Ford Coppola. And then at six and seven is Ridley Scott and James Cameron. Interesting. You know, it's those guys. And I, I think Ridley Scott uh, is the only director aside from Spielberg who has the breadth of work that Spielberg has. He's the only one that mm. rivals Spielberg. Mm -hmm. um, he's the only director, you know, up with Spielberg and Scorsese and Coppola who have been making movies for this long consistently. Not so not Coppola, maybe not, but consistently making movies for this long. I have it on good authority from producers crew you know cast people who have worked uh, on films that, you know family friends of mine um who have worked in the thai film industry for decades and decades and decades that every crew loves ridley scott because of how decisive he is as a director because of how commanding and confident he is as a leader and this is someone who always knows what he wants and has a background in making um uh, music videos and commercials he's done thousands and he credits that as his film school and i think therefore when you have that level of efficiency and you have that level of confidence uh, with your filmmaking and you love the work that much and that's something we'll talk about in a bit with napoleon is i i think nobody loves actually making movies and doing the work of making movies more than Ridley Scott. And when you have that continued love of work, of inviting pressure, of, you know, basically maintaining grace under pressure and, and, and being under, you know, extremely stressful situations, but you invite that and that excites you as a filmmaker, I think that alone puts you in, in a top tier list of directors. And also, as we'll talk about in just a second, his films also speak for themselves. They are fantastic. And even when, this is the thing, I will give you my one thing about Ridley Scott, which is one of the things I've realized is he's a director, unlike Spielberg, unlike Scorsese, is only as good as the script allows him to be. Mm. So when he has a fantastic script like The Martian, it's fantastic. But when he has a script like House of Gucci, it, the movie's mid. Even if it's well-directed, it is kind of mid, you know? And I think that, um, you know, unlike Spielberg, who is able to take, like, perhaps something that is just a, a, an idea, or Scorsese, they can take it and elevate it. But I think Ridley Scott is someone who is as only as good as his script allows him to be, because I personally think he's not that interested in that side of filmmaking. That's my personal opinion. Interesting. Regardless, <laughs> I still think he's a god-tier director. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's difficult to argue with you about certain aspects that you've talked about Ridley Scott. I mean, Ridley Scott for me as a director, I mean, he's a, he's a director that I admire for many reasons, just plain and simple because I feel like he has made some of the greatest films of all mm -hmm. time, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, films that have stood the you know uh, test of time amongst audiences, films that have gone on to clearly inspire a lot of filmmakers to somewhat follow in his footsteps. Um, I think his best films, I mean, the most well-known ones and the best in my opinion, of course, I think um, are Blade Runner, Alien and Gladiator. He still made good films, but I think those three are the, the kind of the main oh, question. main ones. Guys, what is all of your favorite Ridley Scott movies? Alien. Alien? Alien. 
You love Thelma and Louise. I was going to say, I think it probably is That's either good. Blade Runner or Alien, but I want to say Thelma and Louise because you guys are... It is a really good one. <laughs> uh, probably the Apple Max trailer that he did um, in, <laughs> the, in okay. the age. <laughs> uh, no, probably... probably. Are you going to say Kingdom of Heaven? I am going to... How? I, I just know you too well. Yeah, I, am I am know you too well. Wait, so no one said Napoleon? No one said what? Napoleon. <gasps> oh my God. I mean, I was going to say the duelist, but... That's that's oh, you! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You little nerd, right? But building off what you were saying about uh, Ridley Scott and how you put it a couple months ago to me, stamina is the stamina. thing he has that um, is kind of sort of distinct. Eighty-five from years, eighty-five old. years old, and he is making films at a speed of which I don't think any other director in Hollywood is at yep. currently. Eighty-five years old. In the last ten, I'm going to put this into perspective. In the last ten years, he has made eight films, which. <laughs> is insane that, to, to, to put that into perspective with regards to some of the other big so to speak great, big uh, greatest of all times Scorsese has made four yep. so Ridley Scott's made double yep. Spielberg is kind of the only person like you said who kind of holds a light to Ridley Scott in terms of that he's made six Tarantino's made two but you know Tarantino's taking Tarantino, his time Tarantino. Francis Ford Coppola's made zero yeah. and James Cameron has made one yeah. being Avatar 2 and that's obviously taken um, a long time but even if we're excluding just like the, 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 the ones that have been cemented as up there with the greatest of all time even filmmakers who are arguably in their primes, the ones who should have somewhat the most stamina. Uh, Nolan has made four. Mm. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has made three. Damien Dame, Fincher has made three. And Damien Chazelle has also made four. Mm. So still, no one... He's eight? Eight, eight films. Oh, eight films. Wow. However, One could almost I think, say he ate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, you know, because I feel like the last 10 years specifically, yeah. I feel like this is a case of... Uh, quantity over quality I feel do you I, I do I yeah. think look, if you look at the films he has made the, the eight films he's made in the last 10 years The Counselor I know I know you you, you kind of like I do I mean like it's generally speaking film. that film it makes it, it is is no, no offense. I'm just. No, no, it is. It's very. It's bizarre. so bad. Um, Exodus, Gods and Kings, which I, I loved. Had I love that movie. Interesting yeah. things, but it was too. Didn't work for me too long. The Martian loved was good. I will give it that. The Martian is good. Like you said, it had a good script. Have you guys seen The Martian? Yeah. You've seen The Martian, yeah. Alien Covenant. Loved. All the Money in the World, which is the only one I haven't seen. Underrated. Underrated. You've been telling me it's underrated. underrated movie. The Last Duel, which I also think loved. is good. Loved. And now Napoleon. House of Gucci as well. House of Gucci what and Napoleon. Prometheus. So, so I think it's interesting. Have you guys seen Prometheus? I haven't seen Prometheus, no. Michael Fassbender is fantastic. He is, he is. And also there's a Lawrence of Arabia reference. I will, I will shoot all of that. <laughs> Lawrence, every time I've done a Popcorn Podcast episode, I've talked about Lawrence of Arabia. So there you go. That's my Lawrence of Arabia. I feel like any, any sort of Lawrence of Arabia reference in any film is just like an instant it. star for you on Yeah, it is, basically. it is, it is. But yeah, I mean, I kind of fall into the category. I think Ridley Scott is clearly a great director. And, you know, he's... It would be stupid to not put him up there with the, the greatest of all time, but I do think he's just made some not so great films and like I kind of admire him for for the, the, the ideology of just him just wanting to just continue and just make films more and more. But I also feel like it almost comes across to me as sometimes a bit of an unhealthy relationship with filmmaking. I don't know. I, I mean it's too much too much. I don't know. Like well, he's not pressured to develop his ideas. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah no, I agree exactly. With that. He he's he's currently got seventy two productions there you go. in development. 72. And yeah, fine. It's not he's not directing seventy two productions, but he is somewhat in involved yep. yes. or has signed off on something to do with seventy two productions. Like his IMDb is insane. Yeah. Can I ask you a quick question, obviously, about Ridley Scott and stuff? So I think that one of the things that you can, you know, people obviously have adjectives to describe certain directors and their style of filmmaking. So, for example, the word most associated with Fincher is precise, right? right. We talked about Fincher without using that word. The word that I would use to describe Ridley Scott is confident. Um, his films have a certain feeling, even if they're bad, they're still like even a House of Gucci has an element of like, cockiness <laughs> about the movie. Well, they're and confidently yes. bad. They're confidently bad. <laughs> yeah. that, that, okay. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> no, and but yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, even strong, he's stubborn. There's, there's stubborn a certain swagger that has yeah. that comes with the mm, film of him like just not giving a fuck, basically. Mm. But yeah. My point being is that he's confident about this just because he's a director that we'll, we'll talk about in just a second the controversy and stuff but he backs himself as a director yes and one of the things that I think we talked you talked about quant, uh, quality, Qu quantity, quantity over quality. quality Clara was talking about how he's not really developed his ideas and blah 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 what I think things I've realized from this conversation and from us talking about Napoleon on and off camera is I think I'm fully convinced Ridley Scott just loves to make, make movies films. and loves yeah. to be on set. So he doesn't even care at age 85. He doesn't care if his movies actually get seen. But isn't he that even, you know, he just likes the actual work of making movies? And I can't I can't help but like respect that. Like it, the movies might not be good, but like he loves working. Should we talk about Napoleon then? Yes, right. Napoleon. 
directed by Sir Ridley Scott, Napoleon is an epic. Notice how we're saying epic and not biopic. Uh, that details the che- <laughs> the checkered rise and fall of French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte, played by Joaquin Phoenix, and his relentless journey to power, ultimately through the prism of his addictive, volatile relationship with his wife, Josephine, played by Vanessa Kirby. Um, how did we all watch napoleon how, clara how do you how do you how do you watch napoleon do you watch it on disney plus or something <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh, <laughs> i don't have to say this <laughs> i'm sorry right it's not every episode that i get to sit down and say we went to a premiere yeah, yeah, yeah. How and you watch, watch? <laughs> myself and clara were lucky enough to attend the the london premiere for the film who was um, that uh, we saw ridley scott who else was that uh, he never came and said anything to any fan to, to anyone he just did the press and just pissed off respectfully but he's you know he's really scott vanessa kirby was there great but Hot. mr joaquin phoenix boy did we have like a i want to say a big interaction it was probably Inside five picture. seconds yeah into <laughs> picture yeah. <laughs> exhibit a um as you can see by this picture right beside me this, oh, this is weird having yeah, yeah. um uh, i'm 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 in center focus joaquin, <laughs> as you can see and clara's little <laughs> Dylan, why does it look like Joaquin Phoenix met you and not the other way around? Why does it, why does it look like photo, you know, like like because he's a fan of, of the show. Yeah, he's coming yeah, on exactly. episode, <laughs> and, he's, yeah. and he's talking all things. Um, I heard I jo- Joker Two is going to be me and him. Right? Me, him, Lady Gaga. Exactly, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, you're in the middle. Actually, I'm going to position. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty yeah. surreal. Yeah, have no, he 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 asked me. He was like, "Oh, did you get in the photo?" And I was just too like starstruck to have a proper conversation I was just like yeah 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 he was like oh maybe your ear I was just like yeah yeah it was, yeah. It was literally like, so I picked the phone out and Clara's like sort of trying to get in and like there's a bar here where like between me and Joaquin and that's blocking and then he's sort of in and Clara's kind of sort of in and he's like kind of um he, he, he was a bit like you get in you get in you get in your room you get in your room and then Clara's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was pretty cool so yeah we went to the premiere it was epic it was great um you guys saw it the other night IMAX. Uh, in IMAX, IMAX yeah. which is with pretty cool with with Mickey. With Mickey. Oh, hi, Mickey. Yeah. Um, but just in general, are we giving this film a thumbs up, a thumbs down, somewhere Three, in two, the middle? One. Oh, oh, oh! You know the people li- only listening to this episode have just have just heard weird noises yeah. for the past like thirty <laughs> seconds. Should, should we give it all out of fives? Okay. Oh, I, I'm I really mean, bad at doing that. Out of fives. Stars, stars, rating. Oh, I, give it I mean, I four. gave, I gave it three and a half on Letterboxd, but I'm taking it down to a three. I th- I'd give it. <laughs> I'm taking it down like, to a three. Yeah. I feel like. I feel like mine I was three. Say it. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like two and a half. Three. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. I gave it four, Sir Ridley. Sir, <laughs> you're a bit of a history buff, aren't you, Joe? Especially yeah. with Napoleon. Napoleon buff. Yeah. Unparalleled okay. hype for this film. Yep. I literally sat down and watched the trailer for this Before movie going into the Mission Impossible yep. oh, yeah, you premiere IMAX yeah, yeah. and I sat down on the sofa and watched it because I was so hyped for it. I was so hyped for this film to come out and admittedly, yeah, when I watched it in IMAX, I was like... Can I ask you a question? Okay. So, so when you were watching the film, was there a point in the film where you were like, I don't know, or were you just hoping that something was going to flip or get better? Or? Oh, no, I'm always, when watching a film, I'm always hoping something will get better because I don't think you know 100% of the film is good or bad until the ending, except for Cats, actually. Cats are the only <laughs> movie surely, I've ever watched. But, but surely <laughs> when you're watching a film, you're, you're on board with the film. Were you on board with the film and then it lost you? Were or you were you never yeah, on board no, with the film? I, I, was, I, was definitely, I was definitely on, bo- on, on board with it at the beginning. I was like, okay, cool, we're doing this. Right. Okay. Okay. And then you're kind of like, it goes, starts to go through it and they meander so much yep. that I'm, I... I kind of, I did kind of lose it a bit, like halfway, like halfway through, and there's, and also I was expecting it to be majoritively battles, like most of it, um, but it no, it wasn't. There was only three battles in three in the whole ones, thing because yeah. they they really framed it as like huge battle sequences, and then I think war, the whole Waterloo bit was barely made thirty minutes at the end. Yep. Can right. I ask you guys all questions? So I like the movie. You guys didn't like it as much as I did. One of the things that I had an issue with with the movie was actually the pacing and the, the length of the yes. movie. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So we obviously have, have had a long discussion about runtime, the debate of runtime, stamina, momentum with uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I'd like to actually talk about that with, with Napoleon because I actually feel the complete opposite. I thought that every scene was way too short. Yes. Just when you were about yes. to get into the meat of it, they cut to the next yep. scene. Mm. Mm-hmm. Even the battle scenes that are really hyped up in the trailers, like you said, they were not that long. No. They, they just kind of came and went. Yeah, and then just suddenly, oh, yeah, that's it's 
the you see the charge. Yep. And then that's the end of the battle. The movie is th two hours and 38 minutes, which is one minute longer than Songbirds and Snakes, which is ridiculous. Um, I think that this movie should have, at, that apparently there's a four hour version. I think it should have been, weirdly enough, contrary to what I was saying with Killers of the Flower Moon, I think this could have been at least three and a half hours and it should have been because I think everything I think deserves to be fleshed out more. I feel like it so depends on what that was going to be. Mm. Because if it's more sort of the same, mm. I don't care. Right. If they're actually taking that time to develop their characters yes. and show backstory mm. and really bring out a sense of what's going on and character development or even people's motivations yep. or something yep. more, fine, yeah, I'm there for it. If it's just like more of the same, yeah, I don't cut you could cut half of that film. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, f I feel like this is a classic Ridley Scott thing, though. It is. Because I made a video there's about so this. many. I made a video. He's, video there's so many Ridley Scott director's cuts of his films. Yes. It's like, oh, yeah, they're this always the better. Actually they're better. always better. But of course, like with any film, any big budget film or anything that filmmaker, there's, there's always a version of the, well, most of the time, there's always a version of the film that the filmmaker thinks is the best. Yep. But of course, has had to make, you know, uh, sacrifices here and there and had to, has had to cut certain things out and this and that, whatever. I'm sure every filmmaker to a certain extent would, would want more in the film so S somewhat yep so um, I made a, can i quickly yeah, 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 on, i made a video about this back in 2019 because i diagnosed this problem with ridley scott's filmmaking back from from like alien covenant yeah he's gotten way too quick with his movies yeah he, one of the things he said he criticized uh, denny villeneuve's 2049 he said it was too long it was too long too slow. Yeah. Slow. yeah and ridley scott makes movies like like almost as fast as possible. Like what Theo was saying last time about as a director making the movie in the quickest and most efficient way possible. If I, I think we need old Ridley Scott because what in it was Scorsese's gotten older, he's become slower and more patient with films. Ridley Scott's gotten older, he's gotten quicker. And if you look at Blade Runner or Alien, if they were made today, those would be short films. He would make them so quickly and cut them down so quickly that there's no time to breathe. The issue with Napoleon is every single scene needed more breathing room. Yeah. It, it just did. It and, and that's been his issue for ages. And that's why I love The Last Duel, because it's literally the same movie three times. Yeah. So he has time to you know to actually really explore the meat of it. Yeah. Laura, did you like The Last Duel? I haven't seen The Last Duel. I think you'd be interested. So, this in is it. what I said. She was going to watch it last night. Yeah, and then I got ill. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get on to more of the problems of the film later. I do want to just pinpoint. I feel like, I think the general consensus here is the best part about the film, I want to say, I don't want to speak on behalf was of Was the size. Was the size, the scale, the battle sequences, um, at least from a filmmaking and aesthetic point of view. But even though those, they were so heavily glossed over, like you yes, feel like there was, was so yes. much meat that could have been explored there that just wasn't. And, and because it's really Scott, you know he shot the shit out of those battle scenes. Yes. This is the yes, thing. So I, well, the thing is, is that they originally like had like eight, it was originally going to be eight cameras and then it really got up to 11. 20. I think I had 20 at one point. Yeah. Oh, wow. It and like they would go into a trailer and just sit w with screens what? everywhere and then go back out, tell them <laughs> what what's up and then go back in and do it again. And like that is insane. That's insane. But That's apparently, that got him to cut down production time by weeks. Like, by, by weeks. By double, yeah, no. Um, yeah. Vanessa Kirby said the film should have taken six months at least. It took, and it took three months. It no took, way. It took 60, 60 days, sixty-two days. Oh, there that this was movie. a 62, sixty-two day, day shoot. shoot. Yeah, it's insane. Wow. That's mad. But surely, I mean, there's wow. being efficient with filmmaking. But Doesn't I, it I, come into the I whole... think often when you use like twenty cameras, sometimes you know you can lose quality there. Yes, yeah. because um, you're not. Yeah, but not I didn't. Notice it losing quality. No, neither did I. I, I can't say. Maybe I have to watch it again, but I didn't notice it losing any quality because they're using 20 cameras. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like uh, whenever anyone talks about battle sequences, Ridley Scott is amongst the directors that I instantly first 100%. think about. Like, he knows what he's doing when it mm -hmm. comes to these kind of things. The battle sequence, I mean, for me, the, sat, the standout sequence for me was the Battle of Austerlitz. With the ice, the ice, the ice yeah, oscillates, yeah, um, the ice and the snow. That yeah. was a work of art for me, just <laughs> in terms of like, at least from an aesthetic point of view, it was yeah. very, yeah, yeah. Dare I say, satisfying to watch all the the, the cannonballs going into the ice. There's blood, there's horses, um, and it's so refreshing to see as well. I, I always love this, but it's so refreshing to see, you know, real extras, real horses, real practical effects. You can tell, you know, you can tell when films are made using a shit ton of CGI. It just doesn't hit the same, and that sort of ideology Ridley Scott brings, that old school filmmaking ideology that he brings is something that I, I, I loved about this film. And But I also feel like, look, Ridley Scott- And I love you for loving it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's going to do a film about Napoleon. Of course, he's going to do stuff for real. I actually of course, with, yeah. um, with, with that kind of size of that scale of managing a production that big, I would actually, there's only about four or five other directors living who could do that. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. I would say Zhang Yimou. I would say John Woo. 
and I would say maybe James Cameron, but he does CGI. But he does CGI. He's, he's yeah. too far gone yeah. with this. This is like on set, on location with Eddie. Like, how cool is that? Clara? Um, I was just going to say, going back to the battle sequences, because you were yeah. speaking about them, I think that especially the ice one was like gorgeous and beautiful, and all of them had their own aesthetic, and all of them were done in this like brilliant, aesthetic, satisfying way. But I felt like with all the battle sequences, I just felt like they lost emotional impact. Yep. All the extras were cannon fodder. None of them were real characters that we cared about so when they died we were like oh that's cool but we weren't we didn't feel the losses that mm-hmm. they then just showed up as numbers on the screen on the at the screen. end yeah, yeah, and yeah. i was like wow that's a lot of people but the emotional impact that film is meant to bring and why film is so beautiful and amazing is describing these historical events is that you feel a personal connection i didn't feel that personal connection and I recommend yeah, you that is a movie uh, sure. called red cliff part one and two by john Woo. it solves every single one of your problems okay cool thank you <laughs> <laughs> i will okay, well, um yeah no that, that i think that i think that is that is true for me as well because napoleon had so many generals and loads of people in the staff who were big big figures in themselves but i feel like it also kind of you know, in this movie, they suffer from that Harry Potter effect where they cut everyone else's character development out apart from the main central protagonist. But what development? Yeah, exactly. But then that's the next point we get onto (laughs) is that that there is no real development with Napoleon as well. It's like he's such a complex character. And what I think pissed me off the most of this movie is that it comes in, I was saying this to you guys earlier, it comes in right as like his inner conflicts end. So Napoleon, for a bit of his where it context, starts, where, where it starts. grew up in Corsica and he hated the French. He hated the French rule over Corsica and he really despised them and despised the kind of aristocracy of, of France and everything like that. So when he came to France to train to become a general, he really didn't like the French. And then there was this sudden shift during the revolution. He hated the revolution himself, but he he saw something Right. In, he, the people who've been like looking down on him his whole life suddenly start to respect him and then that change happens and then he goes to fight in Toulon which yeah. is where, yeah, the, where film the film begins yeah, they, yeah. they remove all of his early development so you never get a chance to understand who is this guy yeah. apart from a genocidal mm-hmm. maniac yeah mm-hmm. I just want to quickly say something about the battle of Toulon um, yeah. is obviously it established that you know they're going to do the battles for, for real that was the first battle we saw mm-hmm. did anyone else it's very small but did anyone else feel like you know the, the, the CGI horse did anyone else feel that was just me when the cat? I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was kind of yeah, but like I'm saying, it, was, it just for me. It was someone like, asked me, yeah. someone asked me the other day, how did they do that? So I assume they did a good, they did an all right job on it. But really, because I I thought it looked so CGI. Yeah. I thought it looks fine. I, I think, it I think so it, no, the things are hard. I think I, mean, it, could, I, I don't know how. What would that look like? You know, no, what no, is course, the reference exactly. to? Anyone knows what uh, no one really why, would know. Why was that in the film? Like, I, at the end, he has that moment when he's sort of with the horse on the ground. But it, it showed. I guess it's trying to show his lack of empathy or whatever. But that I don't even. I don't even think it was that. I, right. don't, I don't really. Well, know. I guess. I mean, it is a very easy thing for people like to emotionally connect with animals. Like, yeah, yeah. people give more money to animals than they do to humans and charities yeah. and stuff like that. Like, people emotionally connect quickly. And in my opinion, it's a cheap <laughs> way for explaining empathy. He didn't need to develop the characters of the generals because you have this moment of empathy with the horse. Yeah. No, sorry, it just reminded me the other day when I opened the door. Shh, you're not talking about that. <laughs> I thought it was a Jehovah's Witness. I opened the door, I was like, oh shit. He's going to try to make me sign something. And he stood there for 15 minutes and let me talk. And I know I could have closed the door at any point. But yeah, no, just, sorry. It just reminded <laughs> me, he, was, he was looking for uh, animal aid and, and whatnot. Right. And in many ways, that's completely fine. I don't have any pets, but, uh, and I was sympathizing for him, but like just the whole scheme just completely put me off. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I just <laughs> I feel like my biggest issue with the film, like you guys, I think I just felt so disconnected from the people that mm. I was watching. Right. So Ridley Scott, I saw in an interview said that he didn't want to make a history lesson. It's funny enough, he's saying this after he's been criticized for this. Um, and you're right, Ridley, because you didn't make a history lesson. You 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 made Napoleon fire at pyramids. Uh, <laughs> oh great. shit I forgot about that whatever. whole thing, yeah, the pyramids yeah, thing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyways Rudy Scott said he didn't want to make a history lesson but instead wanted to look at this man and why he was obsessed with Josephine and I don't know about you guys but 2 hours and 30 minutes and I still don't know who this man is there's this like sort of like I was saying to you before there's this kind of almost like pompous tone throughout the film which is actually which is interesting because it's almost like reflective of the Napoleon character but just really prevented me from understanding who any of the people firstly um napoleon is uh, uh, joe you're a history buff he's he's uh, he, he's a figure who's been studied by historians for decades he's one of the most well documented yeah. people ever a lover an emblem for the military um a politician a leader an emperor yet 
I don't have any idea who this guy is. Still. Also, the film's slogan is he came from nothing. He conquered everything. But we didn't I, see I, I, I don't have a clue about yeah. his backstory. I don't know. Uh, before he was in the military. I, I don't know. I don't know what drives him. Aside from showing us uh, some sort of consecutive battle sequences, I don't really know how he rose to power. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, the, the, the film sort of jumps a lot in the timeline of, it, of events, which just was, that, that's what I meant by murky. Mm. It was murky and, mm. and it was sort of muddled. What was with the flashes as well? Because they'd have those yeah, random yeah. Of just flash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. The white yeah. no, I, I was like, ah. Like, what, what's I <laughs> you're watching an IMAX oh, and you're yeah, there like, ah. <laughs> yeah, so like, why was he so patriotic? Why did he love France so much? Or, or I'm told maybe not beforehand. Mm -hmm. The film shows us why he. This is the thing. I love the battle sequences, mm -hmm. but the and the film shows us, you know, him winning all these battles. But what makes him such a good military strategist? Uh, yep. uh, yeah. Why did the soldiers you know, connect with him? They have yes. that scene yes. of him returning. Sorry, returning from Esline, and they all like they all put his their bayonets down, and I'm like. But why? This was never yeah. a thing in the film. You never yeah. showed us a scene between yeah. him and his. Is it just they're looking at him like he's this godlike figure, yeah. and you know um, that's why they're they're sort of, yeah. sort of surrendering to them? Why was why was he such a good politician? Why was he a strong leader for France? Yeah. I don't I don't know. Why was he obsessed with his wife so much? So this is the what, thing: is that my issue was that uh, I wanted to go into this movie and learn about Napoleon, the battle strategist. Yes, I wanted to learn about Napoleon, the the leader. I wanted to learn about Napoleon, the ambitious man. What I ended up getting was a movie about Napoleon, the man with the most high, the highest sex drive on the planet. <laughs> oh, the and overgrown child, literally. Yeah, he's literally just a man-child little simp who just follows it around Vanessa. It's like making the noises as well. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, he's obviously like part of the, the but, joke that he's very petty. Like, you guys have chip ships and like, oh, this this rack of lamb was my destiny or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the pork, the pork chop, the pork chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Clara. Yeah, and I also just feel like again, like with Josephine, like I didn't understand why he liked her so much yes. or who she was. Yeah. Yes. I didn't, I think, again, Joaquin Phoenix, Vanessa Kirby, both amazing actors, actresses, whatever. Um, but I didn't feel their chemistry. I She was so underdeveloped. She was basically like damaged, hot, bit manipulative. Mm. That was it. Yeah. Like, what, 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 what was that? Yeah, I feel like just their relationship, the way it was depicted, was a series of scenes where the two of them are kind of just there and like sort of infantilizing themselves and like just, I, it was just weird. That's what I took from yeah. it. Just, I don't well, that what, scene as well when she like, I don't know, like scenes that I feel like were meant to be sexy just made me go, oh. what, like what the, the like when she like, like spreads she said, her legs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I just feel uncomfortable. Another issue I have with the film is you said really, Scott, consistency with regards to filmmaking and making films i feel like this film was so inconsistent mm. and what i mean by that is when you're building this world some people are doing accents some people <gasps> oh, that's what pissed me off the most people, i was gonna some say people <laughs> some people aren't thing. doing accents right all the soldiers sound the same whether you're russian austrian french uh english they all sound like dave from the pub yeah. right um <laughs> they were all doing their normal accent yes it didn't I don't want to say it completely ruined the film, but it was. It got to a point where it was very jarring for me. If you're going to put this much emphasis on production design, on costumes, on believability, do, believability, practical effects, and making a film look and feel as sort of massive and as authentic to a certain degree as possible, why on earth have you got like all of these actors doing different things? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's what's the most annoying thing is, okay, if you're going to commit to not having accents, like if you're going to commit to being like, we're not going to try and have everyone have a French accent, we're not going to try and have everyone have this accent, why are then you making the Russians have Russian accents? Yeah, no, this is the same. This is so, it's so inconsistent. That annoyed me so you know what it much. Is? It's like um, when Assassin's Creed Unity first came out and, it yes. was and everyone made fun of it for them all having English accents. Yeah. Same with what D David Harbour said this about Black Widow. He said, we're all Russians. You know, Scarlett Johansson's playing Russian, Rachel Weiss is playing a Russian, Florence Pugh is playing a Russian, I'm playing Russian. Ray Winston. Yeah. Why are we all speaking English in Russia? Yeah. Isn't Russian our first language? No. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know. This, 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 of course, it's not the first film to sort of yeah, of course, do yeah. this. But I don't know. I just feel like... Could have been done better. It could have been done. That's one thing. But like, but make at least make the decision and be consistent. Yeah. Exactly. I feel, it feels like they just turned up to set and were like, right, just do whatever accent you... If you can, if you can do a Russian... You're a Russian soldier. If you can do a Russian accent, great. If not... Nobody cares. Speaking of dialogue, one of the funniest kind of like things is this, this movie has taught me the importance of context because in the trailers, you'll have Napoleon say some really cool, cool badass lines. Cool lines, yeah. And then when you watch them within the context of the movie, he's just a little dweeb like complaining at a dinner table. Yes. And you're like, 
oh, so that's like, you know, so context was so important um, with, with regards to showing the character. Because mm. in the trailers, they make him feel like the ultimate Sigma for yeah. all the TikTok people to love. Yeah. But then in the movie, he's just an absolute loser wet wipe. Yeah. Which is kind of like... Uh, I feel like that is almost like an, I mean, it's an interesting aspect to the character, how he is so in command when he's on the battlefield and when he's, you know, plotting um, and, and conquering and, you know, when he's out there in the field. And then when he comes back home, he has no control over his relationship. I think that is a really interesting thing. But we only kind of get like fragmentation mm. sort of of it. And like, I'm like, there's something there, but I don't really know. And this whole thing about, you know, the, I've, I've, see, I've seen recently, like you said, there's a four hour cut of this film out there. Give it to us, please. I want to watch it. I don't know, you know. I don't know if I'm actually completely interested in seeing it because I feel like if you can't, if you can't somewhat, if you can't do it in two, and do it in two hours and 38 minutes, you're not going to do it in four. What, what, what more are you going to bring to in, right, in four hours aside from a couple of other scenes here and there? Because this is my thing is like, you, you, all, you guys obviously didn't love the movie. I think director's cut exists not to make a bad movie good, but to make a good movie great. Yes. And I yeah. think if you guys yes. didn't appreciate it, then you're not going to like more of what you don't already like whereas yeah. I like the movie yeah. so like you give, give me more give me another two hours I'd, I'd watch it no yeah, um, yeah. no definitely mm -hmm. the thing with the accents though do you, do you think do you feel like Ridley Scott maybe got a bit dissuaded from doing committing to the accents fully just because of House of Yuji just because of how oh that film my was, god yeah. just because of how that film was just yeah thanks a lot ridiculed. Jared yeah, yeah. Uh, House of I also Yuji. enjoyed Jared Leto's performance I thought it was it, it, goofy, that film has one of the great the greatest transition they do that in again a scene. With me, me, me and Mickey we spotted it again so well, in this talking film about Jared Leto going yeah, and, and there's a the, car, the car horn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the wife of one of the characters when they all get like forced to be fired, she's like screaming, and you hear a horse like <laughs> screaming in before, like you know, he did that again in this movie. That's nice. That see, did you think this film was funny? Yes. Yes. Did you find it funny? Yeah. Ah, uh -huh. but were you laughing with or at the movie? And so, I, I don't know. No, no, what definitely. points did you find funny? Well, like Napoleon's the boats. Like, oh yeah, the boats. I love you the boats. You think you're better than us because you're boats. Yeah. Your two fellows was quite good. <laughs> like just the sex scenes were funny because of how robotic like they. Oh, because yeah. he was so shit. Yeah. yeah. It was like a, like <laughs> someone in, someone in front like of me in the audience literally said it was like it's like a rabbit. <laughs> like out of my head. <laughs> no, but it's also the edit of how of the how those scenes work. It would be like a like a like a elegant scene at dinner yeah, or yeah, something yeah. or like a dance. And then and then like, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you remember? Like when we watch it, we start laughing a bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I have a question. For Go you guys on. about the film um, thematically. One of the things that a lot of people have been talking about with regards to David Fincher's The Killer is that that film is in many ways a, a, an unintentional, perhaps intentional biography of David Fincher's mindset and the way he makes films and his precision. Da, da, da. Do you guys think that maybe this kind of like petty leader who's kind of brash and like, you know, is always yelling and da, 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 um, but he is very put together and, and when it gets down to it, he is just the, the badass leader and, and he wins battles and da, da, da. Do you think that's really not mm -hmm. making a movie about No, it? no. <laughs> I, I felt like this was gonna actually gonna get might actually get brought up in the discussion. Yeah. I feel like with David Fincher, you can it's he's he's almost almost spoon feeding the audience and telling them That's I mean me. that's me, kind yeah. of. Ridley Scott, I don't feel like is 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 doing was, that because I, I don't feel like he's self-aware enough. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, I, I think that was the case with Kubrick, for example, yeah. when Kubrick had his version. I would I have think loved to have seen that film. Yes, yeah, that exactly. I would love seen that film. Yeah. Apparently, it's buried under salt mines of Kansas. And the the amount of research and and whatnot of that film. Yeah, it, no, it's insane. Like he had tens of thousands of like big, huge, um, uh, like cabinets just filled with drawers of stuff yeah. on, on the poem. And he used that research eventually to make Barry Lyndon, which connecting back was the inspiration for the duelist. Which was, which was the inspiration So basically Stanley Kubrick kill? made this film but didn't make this film. <laughs> basically, yeah. yeah. Stanley Kubrick baby probably has made every Napoleon movie since, yeah. I imagine. Stanley Kubrick has also made every horror movie since and every sci-fi <laughs> It's because it's interesting because it was every, both Kubrick and even Spielberg, okay. and I think there's another director as well, I can't remember who he is, all have been trying to make Napoleon, Napoleon movies. You told and me it was Carrie Fukunaga, no? It was Carrie Fukunaga. Yeah. That was correct, yeah. And then suddenly it's just like Ridley Scott turns around, does it in a couple of years. And like all these people have been spent like Kubrick spent years, his whole he did it in sixty two days actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people spent so literally spent Kubrick spent his whole life trying to make this movie. Whereas like he's turned around, oh I'll just I'll just do it I'll do it tomorrow, you know? Yeah, like, to be fair, there's something to be said for like actually getting it done. Like yeah, as much yeah. as we were like oh he should have developed da, da, da. I agree with all of that. I think he should have developed and it would have mm. been a better film if he had, but at least he made them. He was like, If you guys aren't gonna do it, I will. Yeah. And yeah. that's what he did. And, and how insane that. is it is that his next movie he's currently doing Gladiator Two. Two. Gladiator Two. <laughs> he's eighty five. What? Yeah. Like how? Speaking of which, yeah. let's react to some letterbox reactions. Uh, for Napoleon. I'm going to basically read out 
uh, some reactions and you guys are going to say whether you agree or disagree. So first up, we have Patrick Williams. Um, the reason I actually transitioned over this is because he has actually mentioned Gladiator 2. Ah. <laughs> uh, Patrick Williams has rated the film three and a half stars and he says, Ridley Scott promises Apple he'll make another Gladiator and takes $200 million of their money to make a comedy about how much Napoleon sucks and what a weird loser he is. A legend. I bet the four hour cut is going to be at least an extra half a star. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. Four-hour cut movie is half a star. That's such a really Scott thing to do as well. It's like you know what? Thank you. I don't Fuck. think they made him out to be an absolute loser. I wouldn't. I wouldn't quite go that far. No. But I think they made him out to be a bit of a child. Yeah, is Absolutely. what I'd say. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah. Um, Jay Stoobs has given the film two and a half stars and says, okay. "Gotta re respect Joaquin Phoenix's commitment to becoming Hollywood's go-to guy when they need a, to cast a narcissistic little freak with mommy issues." <laughs> But, but how, what, Joe, what That's two in the same year. <laughs> that's actually so true. <laughs> um, Cinema Joe. Okay. Ah, didn't Shit. expect to see oh, you on it. Burner account. Um, yeah. my, my other burner account. Uh, two and a half stars for Napoleon. In classic Ridley fashion, I'm sure the four hour cut is much better. For now, it's an emotionless juggernaut that uses its sweeping battle sequences to hide the fact that it's an a complete misfire oh, I see what you did uh -huh. there uh, in its attempt to explore anything personal between Napoleon and Josephine Kirby is great Phoenix is okay and Napoleon lands squarely in the okay. Come on. Napoleon lands squarely in the realm of middling I so agree with that review okay. no, no, <laughs> that no, no, is no, no. like that I wrote that <laughs> Cinema <laughs> Joe we haven't had a Panmore rant yet this episode. Oh, uh, no, we, we have had seven. We've had so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, this is, I, I've not I'm timing you. you got 60 sure. seconds. I'm, I've not got the opportunity to talk so much about what I loved about the movie. What I did love was the fact that Ridley Scott is, again, as I said, one of the last people who can make something this big. I think that there are a lot of people here who are film fans who are criticizing him. By all means, you know, you every right you have to criticize him. But I think if you're a filmmaker, if you work in films that you don't have a certain level of appreciation for the craft and the hard work and the genuine management that it takes... To, to make an undertaking of this of this size, I, I have one simple sentence for you. I'd like to see you fucking try. There are not, most people would absolutely die from day one. They would either quit filmmaking or quit life if they were forced with a challenge of, of a movie of this size to manage something like this, to to orchestrate something like this with, with as much precision and as much care and as much consistency as Ridley Scott has been able to for like 60 years of, of his career. Um, you you know most people most modern filmmakers nowadays do not have the stamina or the spine to to make a movie of this size and actually survive and, and get to the end whilst you know directors yeah. such as Spielberg and Scorsese and, and all of the goats you know they see pressure they see hard times they see challenges and this excites them with so many modern day filmmakers they see that and that scares them and I and that terrifies me as someone of, you know of, of who's about to get into it I think that we need as I said in my letterbox review we need to get back to making movies that are difficult we need to change challenge ourselves more physically as as filmmakers and do stuff that is more difficult that requires us to you know work in the cold in the mud you know with a hundred horses that you have to pay for food you know and their trainers and therefore i have so much more respect for someone like this because he's still doing it at the age of 85 and doing things that people you know directors who are in their prime could never dream yeah. of even being able to mm. physically last one day but like you say it it's it's a money issue like, when was the last major, like, historical, how like, much, biopic much, much, that has been funded? Hollywood has not funded these films in ages. Like, um, and, like, I think that you have to have the money to be able to achieve agree, these sorts agree. of things. And um, and Ridley Scott has the money because he is a trusted Hollywood household name. So yep. he can go off. He has the luxury of going off and doing these. Mm. Other filmmakers They don't have don't. that liberty. I agree. I they don't, don't have even, that liberty. Like, you, you can name even some really up-and-coming directors, like, yeah. I know Robert Eggers or someone, like, even he couldn't go off and do this. They, Hollywood wouldn't trust him. He did Northman, right? Northman. No, but they wouldn't trust him with, with, that this, much. with that much money to go off and do this kind of thing. But uh, Robert Eggers is another kind of someone... But they do I, trust I, Scott, and he also by. has... He also has... He has the filmography to back it up. Exactly. He has the filmography to back it up through however many years and how many years it taken him to get a Napoleon funded I mean yeah fine he wanted you know we say about him him just getting up and wanting to do it one day but we don't actually know I don't actually know how long it took him to be able to get them to invest in a Napoleon movie like this so I, I would disagree I think that you know it filmmakers at this stage don't have this not that they won't yeah. it's that they can't I think, it. but my thing is that I think maybe because I, well, I went to film school. We both know people our age, but like the filmmaking kind of uh, community of our age, they're all fucking pussies. <laughs> all right. Like um, they're, they're all spineless. Um, they, they couldn't last a day with outside of an air conditioned room. There's a reason every single film that was made in my like final year was in a bunch of rooms. All right. They didn't like going outside. They didn't like being challenged. There was like one movie that was made outdoors and it was actually not bad. Um, but like, 
I think just generally, uh, you know, as a, as a community, but also just as, you know, filmmakers, we just need to be more tough. We mm. just need to invite pressure. You know, I've worked with, so, we've worked with so many people <laughs> who just crack. And I'm like, the whole point of being a filmmaker is that you invite difficulty. We, what is filmmaking? It's problem solving on yep. a yeah. large scale. And these people are worried about problems, not excited by them. And therefore, I think what Ridley Scott represents for me is the right philosophy of making movies. What Martin Scorsese represents for me, what Steven Spielberg represents for me, they welcome problems. They see a problem and they say, problems exist to be solved. Whereas with our generation, problems exist to be complained about to your therapist twice a week. So mm. my But do you think is, it's partly that people that don't love that, like there will have been so many filmmakers of like Martin Scorsese mm. or Ridley Scott or Steven Spielberg's generation that couldn't problem solve and therefore didn't make it. Like there'll be those like, five people who can do it yep. and who will do it yep what, what do you mean what's the question no it's not a question i'm just saying that like there will have been the like all the people in there i mean i don't know if they went to film school but like in their classes that couldn't do it and couldn't problem solve and didn't yep. weren't excited and so they didn't by make that it? and they didn't make and it now and now in your generation there'll be those five or six Ridley five or Scott, six Steven Spielberg. yeah yeah not necessarily in your class at film school yep. but like out who, there who want who I want to so, do that please. And if you do, like, <laughs> please send me a message. I want to work with you, mate, honestly. Like, I, we need more like you. It's an interesting point you make because it's like what you are specifically talking about is the the mindset you bring to set, essentially. Yeah. Every day you wake and so up and you're work like... to life. Exactly, right? But, I mean, could you not make an argument? Every filmmaker is different. Some filmmakers prioritize how do we how do you tell the story in the most authentic way possible in the best way possible channeling the narrative and doing the narrative and the story and the characters justice mm. what i see is i agree with what you're saying mm. and i'm yeah like mm. for for sure um i think a lot of people take filmmaking for granted as well um ridley scott for me this is like i kind of was kind of touching on this he makes films at such a fast rate yep. that would he you get yeah, yeah like th th there are he can't do absolutely everything even though his mind is in the sort of the right place and he's uh, he's clearly one of the hard most hard-working directors i'll ask you a question give me in your opinion let's say so, you just talked about directors who like story characters and exploration and stuff yep. excuse me um give me an example of that i feel like it, for example name like, one, just name one. scorsese okay not scorsese because i was gonna okay give me like a modern one who, who's never made ever, uh made jordan peele okay i think ridley scott can make a character-driven movie he did so it's called blade runner right but can Jordan Peele make an epic? I don't think so. Can can Ridley Scott make a movie? Jordan Peele's, made, uh, Jordan Peele's only made three films. Exactly. He hasn't. Can Ridley Scott make a movie is uh, that is as detailed and clever as Get Out, Us, or Nope? Yes, he has. It's called Blade Runner. It's called Alien. But can Jordan Peele make something that is as big as Kingdom of Heaven or Gladiator? No. I don't oh, think. no. I No, I agree. I think, like I said, I think Ridley Scott does epics. He's built, epics. He's built uh, Yeah, 100%. Like, and like he has, Napoleon. I think the biggest thing he has over a lot of Jordan Peele's is experience and, yep. and, and how he's built stamina. He's done the epics. Yep. And he, he has one of the highest filmmaking IQs, I would say. Yes. Um, talk about this all the time yes, on camera. Yes, for sure. Um, Do you think it's going to lead into more historical biopics being made? This I don't think so. so. I, hope I don't so. think so. Because it technically, it hasn't been received that well from audiences. So if what, they won't invest. So if it makes, if it somehow becomes one of the most profitable films of the year, maybe, sure. Mm. Um, but no, I think like studios, you know, are they going to, are they willing to put because it was like the early 2000s you had all those crazy biopics coming yeah, out like yeah. Troy, Heaven, Troy. Troy so good. all of these movies just were like flooding the scene Hollywood trend and they all and had Orlando Bloom and Orlando Bloom exactly because they because you had the Lord of the Rings at the start and, and that was and the Pirates greatest the thing ever also with Orlando Bloom exactly <laughs> it's just Orlando Bloom <laughs> and then Kingdom of Heaven yeah. and Troy um, so I feel like yes but I feel like that's um, that's to do with a Hollywood trend because we're kind of, we're kind of in the IP trend at the moment. Yes. So I feel like a natural progression from uh, intellectual property is to go into historical property. Go back. <laughs> it's to go. We'll go. We'll go back forward. Whatever you start, you start to people people who've existed and like looking at that. But I mean, Maestro is also coming out, so we'll also see how well that. Oh, we, does saw, as well. we saw. We saw. We've. Yeah, oh, you have opinions already. No, I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait to talk You have opinions. You both have opinions. Already. <laughs> I think it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> back to the letterbox reviews. Uh, right. So, sorry for the rant. I hope <laughs> so, Regal has given the film five out of five stars, saying that this is your dad's favorite movie of the year. He's a dad film. Oh, my dad would not like this film. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I think my dad no. would like this film. <laughs> no, the dad. The dad film is Oppenheimer. No. Yeah, I'd yeah. Say it's more Oppenheimer. The dad film is Oppenheimer. 
thought the dad film was Barbie, to be fair. I was going to say Barbie, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, we most got dragged to see Barbie, I think. <laughs> uh, Doug Holler has given the film three and a half stars and says, making the violence and gore look fucking awesome and then saying Napoleon led so many men to their deaths is silly. What do you think about that? What, what do you mean? No, do, I don't do, understand. Is he so, referring so, to the ending? So he's, where they, he's basically they... saying the violence is glorified in the film. And then at the end, you have these statements at the end saying Napoleon was responsible. Oh, I thought them. that was cheap. Yeah, I thought that was so cheap doing the like stats at the end to yeah. like, like as if like to give it some emotional yes. impact when in the film they didn't bother to give it any narrative emotional yes. impact. Yeah, no. they, they, anyway. you didn't make, they weren't making yeah. a statement saying this guy is bad. It's at the end they kind of decide with these stats that oh yeah he's this guy bit, is actually a bit, is a bit yeah. bad yeah. a bit bad actually yeah yeah but you the, know he just dragged you through his entire life made you empathize with him in certain areas and stuff and then yeah no he's, he's actually a genocidal lunatic at the end of the yeah. day mm. no, i mean i wish i empathized with him a, li yeah. you know, a little bit i did something mm. I yeah. Yeah. it would have it might have been impactful if we'd empathized with him yes. and then you're like oh fuck he was actually crazy but i didn't empathize with him so i didn't really care yeah mm. uh brian tallarico has given the film two and a half stars and says bon is afraid Who's the afraid? Bon. Bon. Bon The director's cut could easily fix a lot of my issues with this film yes, and probably will if I know Ridley. Yep. Sure. Agree. Mm. Mike, uh, Mike Ryan says, has given the film four stars and says, I'm glad Ridley Scott has revealed that Napoleon was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Grant Paulson says uh, who's given the film two and a half stars says this was one hour shorter than Killers of the Flower Moon and it felt like it was an hour longer <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with that can't lie NDC32002 uh, has given the film three and a half stars and says what do I have in common with Napoleon in this film and this film we are nothing without Vanessa Kirby <laughs> <laughs> And finally, ooh, finally, Haunted Hippie uh, has given the film two stars and says, reason 628,380,000, why war is stupid. Mm. There's just a guy with a drum out there. That's so true. <laughs> why is he there? Why are they there? It's, the no, it's like, why did you put it down before you charge? Like, yes. what is the point? So, if you're about to tell me it's for morale, then you just have like a hype man. It's, like, no, it's, <laughs> not, it's not even for morale, actually. It was, it was to keep the rhythm of the battle. rhythm, the rhythm, the rhythm. Of right. and if you heard, oh, but if you heard that going, so you could still think. And wait, wait, but does, does the drum guy have a weapon? Is he armed at least to protect himself? Or does he have to use? No, the no. Like it's like the banner guy. It's like the banner yeah, guy. The it's like if useless. the banner, if the banner falls, it's like every all hell breaks loose. Like it's the same. It's the same <laughs> sort of thing. I've always thought that. I was like, why? Yeah. But the thing I was thinking that was interesting for me, and I had this conversation with you guys coming here in the, in the car, was like comparing, for example, the two. You know, I just realized that's where the podcast actually takes place in the in the car journey. In the car journey, <laughs> and then this is. The yeah. remnants, yeah. Um, it's the two, it's the two Steve Jobs movies, the ones with Aston yes. Kutcher, and then the one with Michael Fassbender. Which is the better one? Yes, Steve I, Jobs is the better one. I think we know which one yes. is the better yes. one. It's quite common. Um, but it's almost like they they pointed out that it's like the director slash writer. You look like Steve Jobs in that outfit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you were just like <laughs> I was about to say something very deep and meaningful, and you're like, you look like Steve Jobs. In that outfit, in that outfit, in the fight. Turn neck, turn neck, turn neck. Sorry, turn neck. Sorry, sorry. Um, I'm being, I'm being. Immature. You've been very immature. You've Sorry, been a bit Napoleonesque. Um, that was what I was trying to bring to this episode. Oh, no, <laughs> it's like you have these two. You have these two biopics, and they're they're vastly different. They're covering the same man's life, but they're vastly different. The Kutch version basically goes through like you read a biography of um, Steve Jobs, and you've gone scene by scene everything that happens. There's no real emotional development. There's no nothing. Whereas the Steve Jobs Aaron Sorkin one, it's completely different. They start at the very end of the movie. And, back, right? and they and they flash back as to what how who he is and why he's got to this moment here and they use every i think major they use a certain time frame which every major watch. apple release that they so, use so to show to show this off so um and i was wondering for something like napoleon also they change <laughs> i forget how much digital, you love this movie <laughs> they change from film to digital as time goes on it is true that is brilliant that is brilliant that is a brilliant because it was so that's so appropriate for that for that, that is like the aaron sorkin equivalent of did you know uh vigo mortensen like broke his foot broke his foot. <laughs> all right all right <laughs> um sorry go but but yeah i was thinking for something like napoleon i think that could have been a bit more impactful you know you start at waterloo and then you work back on certain elements of his life and how he's got to this point mm -hmm. and i think doing it 
completely. I mean, they, 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 again, it still pisses me off they didn't go into his childhood a bit, or they didn't get, go into his resentment of the French and how that transition took place during the French Revolution. They just never explored that, and I think there's so much you could have explored there. But then also, it's I think the same with the movie Waterloo, for example. That's have you ever seen Waterloo? I haven't seen Have you seen, seen Waterloo? I have. Yeah. Yeah. They had fucking seen everything. This, this is this is the closest thing we can compare it to because they had sixteen thousand extras from the Red Army filming in fields in Ukraine. And like every person you see is real, no C- no CGI whatsoever. But that movie only covers his return. Yeah. And that's all they cover in three hours. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think my point being is that it's so overly ambitious to attempt this. It's biting off more than it can chew. It's biting off way more than it can chew. And I yeah. think that you need to you need to take a step back and you need to, I think you could have re-envisioned that so much. And I get the narrative they were trying to go through was for his through his love life. But I never really felt that. I yes. never really felt the expectation yes. for his love life. All those scenes fell, I know, a bit flat for me. Yes. And I think that there's so many interesting things you can do with biopics, but I don't think they did did it here. They just did, in order, everything that happened, and then we'll end at Waterloo, and then bye-bye Napoleon, then he's dead. Yeah. Can Spoiler, I ask sorry. Question? Um, out of curiosity, um, obviously Joaquin Phoenix was a lot older than Napoleon was when he died and everything like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, for goodness yeah, sake. Um, and, and so obviously, because it dawned on me when Joe was saying, like, in his, in his youth, like, you wanted to explore his youth. If you had to, I mean, you maybe know this cast. better than us. If you had yeah. to cast, who would, like, a famous Hollywood actor, who would you cast? And if you said Timothy Chalamet, I'll take your glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That would be what? hilarious. I won't lie to you. He's as well. Yeah, exactly. So he could, he could do the accent. I won't, he could do the I won't lie to you. Joaquin Phoenix, I think, was the best. Like choice. a young Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. A young Joaquin He's saying before we meet. Napoleon yeah, in the film, like no, his his yeah. earlier life. If you had to recast the movie, sorry, Will Polt was on the tip of my tongue, but I know it's not Will Polt. It's the answer to that. He's question. too tall. If He's you're directing tall. the movie, who would you have cast? Not Joaquin Phoenix, because he knows more than any of us about this. I'm curious what he th- what he thinks. I don't know. I don't know actually. I can't think of any like young actors who would be talented enough to take on such a role. <laughs> I think, I'm sure there is someone, but like who 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 would. Who do you think? Who do you think? Scarlett Johansson. No, but Jenny, who do you think? I mean, I... Because I, I, I feel like you'd have an answer this No, way. no, I, I, actually one of them, because he's French, but you remember that guy in in, um, in Little Women, not Timothy Chalamet? Oh, that guy. The guy uh, he's he's also too tall, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, but you can make someone look short. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's not hard. Yeah, I mean... They made Hagrid look big, you know? So yeah. it's Hobbits, like, Hobbits. They made the Hobbit, yeah. Hobbits look small. <laughs> But it's but like, I don't really think height, like the height is the issue with really, Na- yeah. Napoleon here. Like yeah. it was a misconception is that he wasn't actually short. He was like five foot eight, which was average for that time, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. So he was actually the average height for the time, pretty yeah. much. So mm-hmm. it was basically all British propaganda that said he was a small pot-bellied dwarf. Yeah. Can I say something that some of you might be disagreeing with me on? I would have loved to have seen how Nolan would have tackled this after seeing Oppenheimer. You were just Ooh. talking. You were just talking about how they. I mean, you would have. You would have liked to have seen them like a non-linear storyline. Yes. Yeah, 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 start yeah. at the ending of the Battle of Waterloo and then kind of go back and do it in flashes and do mm. the whole non-linear thing. I think that would have made, maybe been a bit more. interesting. I think it would have made it way more interesting yeah. doing non-linear because yeah. it was if very. If you want to go Nolan, I'm going to go Sam Mendes. I want to see Fair Sam Mendes. Yeah. Oh. Actually, I agree with you. Y- yeah. Oh, do you know? Fun fact: the they shot. In Napoleon, in the same place they set shot nineteen seventeen. Yeah, I mean, same, it looked, it looked, it looked yeah. the same field, and also they used the same forest for the Battle of Austerlitz that they did Which is with everyone Gladiator. Uses, everyone uses that forest. They, everyone uses it because it's like throw, it's, just it's literally just outside London near Milton Keynes. That's true. Mm. Well, guys, I think on that note, I think we're gonna we're gonna cut it there. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to us talk all about uh, Napoleon. And thank you to Joel for his debut and also lighting us with the French. Yes, yeah. with the French yeah. flag. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for joining me in this discussion. It's been very interesting to say the least. Let us know what you thought about Napoleon down below in the comment section. If you're listening, just send us an email or on social media. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining me. And guys, thank you so much for listening, watching, and we will catch you in the next episode of the Popcorn Podcast. Cheers.